Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome to another edition of the Federalist Radio Hour. I'm your host, John Davidson, Senior Editor at The Federalist, and I'm joined today by a childhood friend of mine, Colby Hall, who is a lifelong Cincinnati Bengals fan. And he's here today to talk to us about the Bengals' unlikely and in some ways unbelievable ascent to the Super Bowl coming up here this weekend, the Cincinnati Bengals' first Super Bowl appearance in 33 years. 1988 was the last time the Bengals went to the Super Bowl against the 49ers. Colby, welcome to the show. Who day, John, and thanks for having me. Colby and I, just get a little bit of background here. I grew up with Colby in Alaska, okay? We're both from South Central Alaska. I wasn't born there. Colby, were you born in Alaska? No, I was born in Montana. Born in Montana. I was born in Georgia, but we, we grew up in Alaska from the time we were small children. Um, Colby has been a friend of my family uh, for, for many, many years. And Colby, the reason I want to talk to you and have you on the show to talk about the Super Bowl and the Bengals is that you have been a Bengals fanatic the entire time I've known you. <laughs> and I have to preface this by saying, you know, listeners might be thinking, why is a guy who grew up in Alaska, who was born in Montana, right. a Cincinnati Bengals fan? And maybe there's maybe there is a unique story behind why you became a Bengals fan. And I'm going to I'm going to ask you that uh, in a second. But I wanted to preface that by saying a lot of people don't realize when you grow up in Alaska and you're like a, a middle schooler or a high schooler in Alaska and you're following professional sports or college sports, you basically just get to pick what team you want to root for. There's right. no like regional loyalties. Like I was a, a Boston Celtics fan growing up in the NBA. My, my uh, you know, uh, one of my brothers was a San Antonio Spurs fan. You know, uh, there, there was no rhyme or reason to what sports teams Alaskans choose to follow. So with that, Colby, how did you become like a Bengals fanatic? In 1984, um, I my friend uh, had a, his older brother was a Rams fan back in the Eric, Eric Dickerson days. And, um, and me and Mark were buddies and, uh, and, you know, it was that rivalry between brothers and I would, you know, go over to their house all the time and I would notice this rivalry between them. And so I, I buddied up with my friend, Mark and, uh, and I, I, I liked the helmets. I mean, I was, you know, I was nine years old and um, it was, it was the helmets were cool. So yeah, the striped, I, the striped bangles, the tiger stripes, it right. seemed awesome. It's, it was awesome. So I just, that's, that's where it all started. It was uh, my friend, Mark Millette and, um, and the rest is history. I mean, I, 
1984, you were like in middle school or elementary school, right? Elementary school, yeah. I mean, it was just a little... You literally became a Bengals fan because you like teamed up with your friend to bully his brother. Basically. The, the, he, he was the older brother and... and right. I, okay, I, okay. So it makes sense then, yeah. Right, yeah. I was, I was just supporting my friend and... You know, and I, I didn't I didn't know anything. You know, I I, I can remember the nineteen eighty one Super Bowl. Um, I was six years old, and I remember thinking, you know, when they played the 49ers the first time, um, that they've been in two Super Bowls, both the 49ers, both losing in the final seconds, uh, in grand fashion. Um, and you know, I remember thinking then that, you know, wow, those helmets they're pretty cool, you know, but but not really connecting, you know, I was six years old. But then, you know, when I, um, by that time, when I was nine, I, I, I started attaching to the team because Mark, we were talking about it, you know, and then, you know, no internet, nothing. We just got the, uh, you know, magazines and things like that. And that's right. how I would stay informed on a team from Ohio. Right. No, and you they, have no connection to Ohio or Cincinnati. Personally. Never set foot in the state of Ohio. Not, yeah, not right. Once. Right. Right. So you're a dyed in the wool Bengals fan going all the way back to the 80s. Never set foot in Cincinnati or Ohio. No. <laughs> <laughs> so. So fast forward to 1988. Now you're what in the eighth grade freshman yeah. in high school. Yeah, I was 13 years old. And, okay, so uh, by now you're you're a solid Bengals fan, yeah. and and what, what you know what do you remember about the 1988 Super Bowl against the 49ers? Which 49ers were like they were like the team they're like the you know the Lakers or the Golden State Warriors right. today. They're, they're the team everyone loved to hate. Joe Montana, Jerry Rice, I mean, uh, you name it. They they had the defense, they had the offense. It was you know cool Joe. You know, everything, the 49ers were dominant, you know, they, yeah. they, they dominated the eighties and the first part of the nineties. So the Bengals, um, while having, you know, good teams, you know, here and there, um, you know, in 88, it was Boomer, Boomer Sison and Chris Collinsworth and the, and Icky Woods, you know, the Icky Shuffle. Sure, um, sure. And all that stuff. So it was cool. You know, I, I, I had posters just all over my wall, you know, they keep shuffle this and, and I had just a collection of t-shirts. And so everyone, you know, everyone in school knew who I supported, you know, I, <laughs> for, for my birthday, I got the, you know, the starter jacket with the bangle stripes on the side and you, you right, name it, right. you know? So it starter was, jackets were awesome back then. I had, right. a, I had a Celtic starter jacket. Right. that was a prized possession. Yeah. Right. No. And in the 88 Super Bowl, you know, I, I, I invited a bunch of my friends over to my house and thought for sure, you know, Boomer was going to come through and, and, you know, as the game progressed, it looked like the Bengals were going to win, you know, it came down to the uh, minute and 38 seconds, I believe. And Joe Montana got the ball. I, I believe the 20 yard line going the other way. And I thought the Bengals defense can hold this, but they, they did not. And um, threw a touchdown with seconds left to go. And while the Bengals were literally celebrating on the other, other side of the field, uh, the camera crews had to switch sides uh, quickly because the Bengals had just lost the Super Bowl. Wow. And just ripped my heart out and was completely crushed as uh, all of my friends that I had invited over to my house uh, 
quickly started mocking me <laughs> and uh, were relentless. Because they had no special attachment to none, the Bengals. None yeah. at all. Yeah. I was the only one really paying attention to the game. And soon, <laughs> that was my first taste of uh, real Bengals uh, mockery. Which yeah. would which began like a thirty year like yes you know saga of Bengals fans being mocked right heavily like, mocked like, no you you have to have a uh, you have to have a strong a strong backbone a thick skin to be a Bengals fan now at what sure. point so in nineteen eighty eight when you're like you know in the eighth grade you're thirteen years old being a Bengals fan was like. I'm, I'm a fan of one of the good teams. Like right. we're, we're going to teach Joe Montana a thing or two, but they're like, but then like, you know, as you go forward, you know, I don't think that the, you know, the Bengals haven't even won a playoff game before this season in 30 years. So like, as the decades marched on, you know, being a Bengals fan, wasn't like, I'm a fan of one of the good teams. It was like, I'm a fan of one of the garbage teams. And, and but like, what, like what, what accounts for your loyalty over the long decades that came after 1988? I think it was just more that I have uh, made my bed and I'm going to sleep <laughs> in it. And, and it's like, I thought the grim loyalty, right? Right. I mean, because that's, that's kind of always been who I've been, you know? And uh, I, I had, I hated the guys who would switch teams with right. the, you know, I always hated the bandwagon jumpers, yep. you know, because it's like, what what fun is there in that? Right. You know, I, right. and it was soon after the 88 season. I mean, the very next year, um, Icky Woods blew his knee out and was never the same. And it was a couple of years after that, that Paul Brown, you know, the historical Paul Brown, a founder of the Browns and and the Bengals um, died. And his son took over, and that's when the dark decade of the 90s happened. And it was um, it, the Bungles, the, I mean, they could not get out of their own way. They, they were the one team that could lose in, in grand fashion more than any other team. I mean, the highlight reels, whenever you see some, you know, just some horrific highlight reel embarrassing thing, it's the Bengals. It was always <laughs> the Bengals, you know? So... So it just, the nineties happened and um, I, every year, you know, there'd be that little sliver of hope with the new season, you know, like, okay, okay. You know, they got this new draft pick or, or they got this new thing. And it was yeah, like, I, you know, for, for bad teams, no matter what the sport, you know, the, the, um, the draft pick is the, the hope springs eternal with draft right. with the new draft picks because we got, we got number the number one draft pick coming in. It's going to turn things around, but it never did. So many so many high draft picks and, and with the new, the new ownership, you know, um, I think there was a learning curve there taking over for their, for, you know, Paul Brown, who is some really big shoes to fill. And I, it's a family run uh, team, you know, everybody who runs that team is, is a descendant of Paul Brown, except for a few people. So I, I don't think it was as smooth a transition as they were hoping for. So there was definitely some really high draft draft picks on quarterbacks and running backs that just just fell on their face, it, always in grand fashion. I mean, always the new whatever the new shiny object. It was like injured on the first game of preseason, you know, right. whatever it was. It was right. just cat, you know catastrophic failures. So what did you think? in 2020 when they when they picked Joe Burrow 
you know, he was a Heisman winner, championship quarterback for LSU, you know, seems like the exact kind of pick that you're talking about. Like, oh, we got Joe Burrow. Things are going to turn around. And then rookie season blows his knee out. Well, I mean, was that, go, was that a familiar feeling? Well, yeah. I mean, let, let me go back a little bit. Um, I mean, the 2009-2010 season, they just a few years, they had drafted Carson Palmer, the number one draft pick. So, um, you know, just a guy coming out of USC, you know, he was the – he was the next boomer, you know, everybody, right. he was the next boomer. So I said, here we go again. We're going to do this. They had, you know, Chad Ocho Cinco, you know, it was like they had this team again. So they go through the season. They, they sweep the division, um, go to their, uh, to the first playoff game. And on the second play of the game, uh, Carson Palmer throws a 60 yard bomb to Chris Henry and, the camera pans back to Carson Palmer writhing in pain. Um, and they played the Steelers and one, uh, you know, uh, Steelers cheap shot later, uh, Carson Palmer is out of the game and all hopes are dashed bringing in the backup quarterback. And it's like, Oh no, you know, yeah. and just crushed. So yeah. yeah, go forward a couple of years. Um, Carson Palmer, you know, they, they had some two more down years. Carson Palmer says, I want out of the Bengals altogether. I'll retire. I'll never play again. And <laughs> so, so out goes Carson Palmer. So then they draft, they, um, because of their horrible record, they, they have some a higher draft pick and they draft um, AJ Green and Andy Dalton. And, you know, I think that was the 2011 season. And I think, you know, the expectations were uh, not real high, but they end up, uh, you know, getting a playoff berth in the first round and they lose in the first round. But I think it was because, you know, you got a second round, you know, quarterback, you know, it wasn't Carson Palmer. I think it was um, the expectations were lower, but, you know, the team started coming up again. I mean, the Bengals right. are notorious for, it's up and down, up and down. So, Always the promise that like this, right. that we're on the upswing. Now we're building a franchise. This is things are going to turn around and then they don't. Yes. And so then they, they, for the next five years, they set a NFL record in for losing in the first, first round of the playoffs. They, they set a record for that five straight playoff berths, all losses yeah. in the first round. So once again, a record that you don't, really want you right. know and you know there is uh have you heard of the curse of bo jackson have you sure. heard of that okay sure. well that was the last playoff win they had um was was against the houston oilers in the next game they played uh the raiders and it was bo jackson's last game ever they he was injured and and injured his hip and and never played another nfl snap so um, in, it was in 91 was their right. last, their last playoff win. So um, not until this year um, was that, you know, curse, if you believe in curses, that was, that curse was broken. But right. when, when they, um, when Andy Dalton came to the end of his run, you know, there was a couple games there where I thought, I thought, oh man, they're going to do it. And it was like, once again, the nemesis, the, the Steelers, um, 
I mean, the closest I've, I've come to jumping off of the Bengals ship was in uh, 2015 when they played the Steelers and um, their whole season, they were 8-0 at the beginning of the season. It was looking like, oh, yeah, Andy was on fire. And then, I mean, a couple games before the end of the season, Andy hurts his throwing hand and they go up against the Steelers, show up and are winning in the final seconds and look like they are going to break this streak without their starting quarterback. And, I mean, in the final seconds, they hand it off to their running back, Jeremy Hill. He fumbles it right to the Steelers, and they lose it in grand fashion once again with uh, Ben Roethlisberger being the hero, and that was it. Their fights ensued on the field. It was insane. People, I mean, coaches were coming on the field. There was hair being pulled. I mean, it was just like. So it was, it was a spectacle. And it was a spectacle. It wasn't just a loss. It wasn't just it was, a loss, right. It was like, this is like a loss plus like wallowing in like the blood and mire right. of your loss and, and losing like as ungracefully as possible. And, and then recruit and then recrimination sort of ensued afterwards. And, and, like, and, as once, you said, again, and once again, it's the Steelers, right? It's right. the Steelers again. Adding like a measure of humiliation to right. to, the, to the spectacle. Now, you know, as you're as you're recounting this dismal history, Colby, I can't help but think you're not just like somebody who watches Bengals games. Like you're like you follow. You have followed for decades. You followed the team and like and followed the fortunes of the team and who who they're they're bringing on and who's leaving and 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 the stats and the histories. And here we come to 2015 after this losing in grand fashion, the spectacle of a loss to the Steelers. You're thinking, what were you thinking? Why, why am I doing this? Why do I care about this team? Well, why, I, is it too much sunk cost at that point? No, I, 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 had, I actually left. <laughs> I was sitting in my car listening to the end of that game because I had something else going on. And I was like, I got to catch the end of the game. And I'm sitting in my car and I, uh, AJ Green had scored a touchdown. And I, I went from the highest high to the absolute lowest low within minutes. And um, I, I think, I, I mean, I was coming, I, I was coming to uh, the end of my rope. Because I was like, I can't believe that I've been rooting for these guys like this, and they just keep disappointing me. I mean, to be a Bengals fan for as long as I have, you definitely develop uh, PTSD of the right. other shoe to drop at any moment. Right. Don't trust it. Don't trust it. It's, you can't. It's, you stop believing good things can happen. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. Like it's just the the oh, the nervousness and you know the heart rate and everything i mean it's not good for your health right this has not been good for my health over the years but <laughs> so so that so 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 now that almost brings us up to like 2019 2020 some big changes happen to the team joe burrow comes in as as quarterback at this point you got to be thinking doesn't matter if good things happen, right? Or, or did you think, hey, you know, we got, we have new, you know, some some changes in the coaching staff. We got, we got a new quarterback, a franchise kind of building quarterback. 
You got some, you got some, some, uh, some supporting cast members coming in. Was there optimism, genuine optimism or, or were you too jaded? No, I mean, I, I, it, it took an off season for me to, you know, where I'm after 2015, I, I still had the optimism, but then they started, they started sucking again, you know, it, the, the up and down that we were on the downswing again. And so there was the rebuild again and just watching how, um, you know, how the team had once again disintegrated and now we're rebuilding and the star players were retiring and stuff like that. So there had to be a rebuild. And, um, that 2019 season watching Joe Burrow win the national championship for LSU, I thought, oh man, this guy's an Ohio kid. You know, he would actually want to play in Ohio. And I thought, oh man, if we could only get him. But there was a couple other, there was there was Tua, uh, I can't say it's Tua Tagaloa, I believe. And there's a couple others, the guy from Oregon, um, who were in the mix. And I thought, you know, I just hope the Bengals don't screw this pickup, you know, like get some sort of um, just get it wrong again, you know? Right. And so there was definitely suck for burrow signs. You know, you could see him, you know, at the games, you know, and, and the, you know, they have this new coach and he, you know, you don't want to completely suck being, being the new, you know, Zach Taylor was their new coach. He was supposed right. to bring in the new, you know, the who day to the new day you know, type of thing. So, so, but I think all the fans were just like, Oh, just please just lose, just right. lose. We need to restart this the right way for once. And then when they drafted Burrow, I thought, okay, okay. Now we can truly hit the reset button and start from scratch and really right. start building, building a team, you know, with that has some staying power. Right. You know, and because this guy was new, very unique, just watching, he was the ultimate underdog. If you know his story, you know, going to Ohio State and, uh, you know, being basically pushed out and, and knowing, knowing his worth and going to LSU. And then just absolutely, not just being good, but absolutely dominating. Yeah. Breaking records. I mean, coming from behind and, you know, no one gave him a shot. And, you know, the saying, don't bet against Burrow. It was, that's just kind of been the story of his life. Yeah, yeah. So I thought if anybody, if anybody needs to become the next Bengals quarterback to take take this team out of the rut they've been in, it has to be Joe Burrow. Yep. Have you ever stopped to wonder why internet access is so much cheaper these days? Like 30 to 40 bucks a month. Well, it's because internet service providers aren't just making money off subscription fees. They're also making money from spying on your internet activity and selling your history and data to big tech companies. So what's the best way to make sure that 100% of your data is encrypted and that your ISP can't get a hold of it? You guessed it, ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN creates a secure tunnel between all your devices and the internet so that everything you do online is encrypted. It reroutes your connection through a secure server. This blocks your ISP from seeing everything that you do online. All they can see is that you're connected to an ExpressVPN server, but nothing beyond that. And it's not just for your phone or computer. ExpressVPN works on all of your devices. It works on your tablets, smart TVs, even your router, so your entire family can always stay protected. 
I can't stress this enough. ExpressVPN is so simple to use. I use it. I love it. You just open up the app, tap one button to connect, and that's it. Your data is your business. Protect it at expressvpn.com slash federalist. Visit expressvpn.com slash federalist to get three extra months of ExpressVPN protection for free. That's expressvpn.com slash federalist to learn more. The good folks over at Blinkist have 22 ideas for 2022. Their goal is to empower people to grow personally and professionally by discovering content that inspires, motivates, and give them new perspectives on their lives and the world in 2022. Blinkist has the perfect content to help you be a better, smarter, and more knowledgeable you in 2022. So how are they going to do that? Well, 22 Ideas for 2022 addresses a problem we talk about all of the time on this podcast. We are drowning in content. So how do we get through all of the old content, let alone the new content, to make sure we are as informed as we want to be and as we need to be? Well, Blinkist makes it pretty easy. Some of the most popular titles in their politics section right now include What Happened, Fire and Fury, A Promised Land, Fear, A Short History of Brexit, The Soul of America, The Future of Capitalism, Black Flags, The Prince, and even Letters from a Stoic. And that's what we're talking about when we say getting through new content and old content. Probably, if you're like me, some of those books have been on your reading list, and it's so important to dimensionalize our understanding of new and historical events, of course, so that we can come to current events with the right perspective, especially in these very confusing times. And we all know what tech is doing to our attention spans. So Blinkist makes it easy to be a better version of yourself and to get through all of this important reading. Letters from a Stoke is a great example of something that's been on my reading list because I thought it would help me understand some of the problems that we are in right now by looking back in history. It's a confusing time. This has been on my reading list for a while, but with all the new content to sift through, it's just hard to get back to the old stuff and the new stuff and come away with the information you need to evaluate current current events. Blinkist's selections make it really easy, and that is very, very helpful. I think you will all find it helpful, too, and I think that we are better off as a society the more we have studied and the more reading we do. So right now, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com slash Federalist to start your free seven-day trial and get 25% off a Blinkist premium membership. That's Blinkist spelled B-L-I-N. K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com slash Federalist to get 25% off and a seven-day free trial. Blinkist.com slash Federalist. And he kind of had this, that older style quarterback he, or had, he has an older style quarterback, like way of playing and his presence is, is, you know, uh, uh, it recalls like, the quarterbacks, the great quarterbacks, you know, of the eighties and nineties, he's got this great passing game. He, 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 he has, he, he moves really great on the field. Uh, and, and he seems to have that aura about him where he can kind of like, you can see a team and a franchise being built around his style of quarterbacking as well. Like he just has that ineffable great quarterback. Ness. 
that that you recognize when you see it. Well, he you never know? gets too high, and he does, never gets too low. I mean, I, I think if if you follow Joe Montana, you saw that. Yeah. You know, like they they said that we, you know when he was doing that final drive against the Bengals in the Super Bowl in '88. You know, there was guys that were talking about how he just walked into the huddle and was just doing chitty chat before he called the play. Yep. You know, it cool. wasn't perfectly um, cool. Yeah. Yeah. He was cool, Joe. So, like, you know, watching Joe Montana, um, you know, I thought, wow, you know, or, or, or Tom Brady, you mm-hmm. know, it's kind of that, you know, that, that look in their eye where, where they just don't panic, you know, right. they can be down so much and they just don't panic they just they just rally their their team and the team rallies around them right you know and so watching especially after the first year when he did get hurt you know um it was it was heartbreaking but i also knew that like okay well this is probably going to help them with a high, another high draft pick which brought on jamar chase so right. i just thought okay this is going to work but you know um can he mentally come back and and it turns out absolutely um so he this year has been surreal and remarkable in, in, in so many, so many ways. I mean, I think that there's a new culture um, with the Bengals that, that the coach and Joe Burrow and just a lot of these young players that know nothing of the Bengals past. They just they don't know about it either it's a new generation and right. uh, they've rallied around joe burrow and and he's just told that he just shot high high standards and they've followed and and really they don't they have uh, really they do not have a good offensive line you know everyone thought that this right, year burrows has been sacked like 50 times yeah, or he's something, the, you know. the most yeah he's been the most sacked quarterback right so you know, the odds, I, I never thought that they would have gotten this far. You know, I, I wanted them to beat the Raiders in the first round just to break the curse. And then everything else would just be, you know, icing on the cake. You know, it was, right. you know, it, 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 to get this far just shows the resilience and the chemistry of that team, which makes them very unique, you know, among a lot of other teams who have, you know, just combined you know, like the Rams, uh, who just combined a lot of all-stars and things, aging all-stars, and are They're just cobbled together a championship team just right. just for for a, uh, just for a season or two, um, an artificial kind of a team, right? Which you see all the time with 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 really wealthy franchises. So so this wasn't something that you thought could happen or would happen this year. You, you almost kind of came in thinking this would be another rebuilding year or, you know, this set in the next step in, in, in the rebuilding that began with Joe Burrows coming on board. But now here we are in the Super Bowl. Do you dare, do you dare to dream, Colby, that the impossible could happen? Well, I mean, let's take the game against Kansas City. I mean, they, they beat Kansas City. Um, they were down, um, I believe, almost 20 points in, in yep. the regular season game. Came back. That that game, I thought there's no way they're gonna they're gonna win this. It, you know, I, and then sh- blown away, mind blown. They beat the Kansas City Chiefs, who who are an amazing by, by a field team. goal, right? By a field right. goal, last second, last second. And then you know we get to the playoffs, and I'm thinking in the back of my head like. 
you know, because because Patrick Mahomes tells, you know, tells Joe Burrow, you know, after that regular season game, I'll see you in the playoffs. And I thought to myself, the odds of that happening are pretty slim, you know, because they're just not there yet. They they need to build up their offensive line, you know, all these little components that these great, these really good, solid, consistent teams that they have. Well, the Bengals surprised me and they just kept winning and they kept, you know, they just kept winning and they kept coming from behind. It just kept holding up in the face of just amazing odds. And then this past game against the chiefs, the, the, the AFC championship game, you know, it's 21 to three, you know? Um, and I'm like, Oh, well, there's the season, you know, like a I, conditioned Bengals right. super fan, right. a Bengals super fan that's been with the team since the eighties would be conditioned to have the response that you're down 21 to three. It's over. Like, yeah, cause, 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 cause no one beats, you know, uh, Mahomes in his house, you know, in Kansas city, you know, there was this little sliver of hope thinking, you know, hearing that in the back of my head, don't bet against Burrow. And I'm thinking, you know, they could do this because in the game before the, the same exact scenario, I mean, they were the same exact scenario happened that they were down 11 points at halftime, but the chiefs were just running up and down the field. And then, and then the defensive coordinator just dialed up this amazing second half and the Chiefs only scored three points in the second half. Like, shut them down. Like, how do you do that? No other team's been able to do this. Well, it basically, this exact same 11 points at halftime, they were down 11 points. They started crawling back, stopped the Chiefs uh, right before halftime from scoring a touchdown on like the two-yard line. Then yep. time expires, halftime. And and I'm and and even the announcers are saying it's the exact same score as this last game. And I'm thinking they can do this. They can do this. And sure enough, little bit by little bit, and by the I believe it was the end of the third quarter, it's tied up. And you could tell this in in the crowd, like the, the Chiefs weren't as loud. And you could do there, you could tell the tension. You know, you seed know, you tell of the, doubt. It was a seed, the seed of doubt. Of doubt was yeah. Joe Burrow's done this before. And this yep. defense, you know, the, I think a lot of people talk about Joe Burrow and the offense and all these things, but the Bengals defense has stepped it up in a way that has just been amazing. So um they beat they beat the Chiefs, you know, sh- just just shocked the world, you know. The, the Bengals are going to the Super Bowl. And so to answer your question, I, I would definitely say that there is there's hope. I mean, the Rams are, um, I believe, put together a lot like the Chiefs. The, you know, they, you know, you have the old KG veteran and Matt Stafford, um, who is, I've always loved him because he played for the Lions, who if there's any team that, that knows misery, it's the Lions, like the Bengals, you know. So, um, and I know your brother loves the old KG veteran. He will go out of his way to root for the Tom Brady, the Brett Favre towards the end of their career. And, um, but in this case, I, I, I do believe that the Bengals have what it takes to shock the, shock the world and, and go farther than they've ever gone before. I mean. This, uh, it's interesting that you, you said earlier that the culture that has been built up over decades around the Bengals where they're kind of like this byword in the NFL and they're kind of this 
almost, I don't want to say laughing stock, but you know, uh, they're sort of synonymous with, with failure and loss. That culture, the, these younger players that they brought in that are, that, that have almost kind of redefined the Bengals. They don't know any of that. They're, they're too young. They weren't around in the eighties. Um, and so they, they're not burdened with any of that baggage. They're, they're just out there playing uh, and, and pushing what's possible and taking what they can. And they're bringing these, all these fans, fans like you who have who these long suffering fans along with them. And it's something completely different for the franchise. I, it seems like it's something completely uh, like, like the Bengals, uh, the Bengals of 2022 are a completely different brand or they will, they will be now even win or lose, but like, like the loser label has been shed, I think definitively. Do you agree? It will be shed completely if they win the Super Bowl. <laughs> I, I, I'm just, they, they need to win. They need to finish this and they need to go farther than they've ever gone. I mean, if you look on social media, you'll see, you know, 70 year old men who have been following this team since its beginning. And, and, and you'll see grown men with their friends, just bawling their eyes out, watching this team win like they have, you know, because it's, it's something that we've never seen, you know? And so I, yeah, it's not good enough just to win the championship. They've done that two other times. They, they really, this needs to be, this truly needs to be the, uh, the beginning of a, of a new era of a dynasty. I'll just say it of a, of the Joe Burrow dynasty. Yeah. And it, it, there doesn't seem a good reason why it couldn't be Colby. I want to close on this. I, I have to bring this up. You mentioned my, my brother, uh, my older brother who loves to root for the, uh, you know, aging veteran who maybe still has one last championship left in him. Uh, it doesn't matter the team or the sport. He just picks the old veteran. But my younger brother had for many years a tradition of these very complicated bets that he would make with you at the beginning of each football season that had to do with the Bengals. And, and I understand because I asked him about this the other day that uh, the last few years that you guys haven't been doing your convoluted Bengals betting scheme. But describe quickly what the betting scheme was that you had with my brother about the Bengals and how it worked. Well, I mean, I really just wanted someone to to be involved with, you know, with my fandom. And and as as your brother and I were working together on a construction site, you know, I, I just said, you pick any, yeah, I, I think it was six games or eight games or just a, a portion of the season. You pick any games that you want, whatever, whatever teams, you know, you want. And then, um, and then I'll take the Bengals. And so he did. And, and for, for a couple of years there where I, where I won, but you know, during those down, down years, your, your brother basically cleaned up um, on me and it got to be. Where so it was I, a constellation of other teams that he picked and, and he was just betting that those games against whatever, however the Bengals did. The odds were greatly stacked against me. I just was happy that someone was, <laughs> was 
was I guess, involved. You know, in Alaska, you have to do what you can to get, you know, because there's not a lot of Bengals fans in Alaska, no. you know, like you, so you have to pull people in to like pay attention to the Bengals. Right. And yeah. so, and so we have a lot of fun over the years, but I got where I owed him so much money. We had to stop. We, <laughs> we, this was we, your year then to say, okay, like double or nothing. Kind right. of, you know, no, I, we, we had to He'll stop. never that do that bet with you again now. No. Well, I mean, it, it, well, now, now it would be uh, greatly in my favor, the, you know, with Joe Burrow at the helm. But I, I, I just think, you know, it, it definitely was something that, uh, you know, we had a lot of fun and it grew our friendship just with with him giving me little texts, you know, uh, teasing me relentlessly, you know, <laughs> when the bangles would falter and, you know, oh, those darn bungles. I would get the bungles uh, text from from him and it would. Yeah, I hope, Colby, that this year and especially in in the last day or two, you have been texting him uh, his comeuppance. And uh, and reminding him that, you know, it, it's 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 the steady tortoise that wins the race. It's the 30 year fan who sees it through to a new era. And and you are in that new era now. Right. But one thing I've learned is um, uh, not to trash talk when, when you're a fan <laughs> of the Bengals, because um, most of the time you end up eating eating it so um <laughs> a hard one lesson right so like until they start winning consistently my trash talk is going to be at a minimum because they they need to prove it you know I'm, right. I'm i'm waiting for them to prove it because it's it's not really it's not really smart um and that's the ptsd you know that's that's the, right uh, that's, that's right the anxiety that's right. <laughs> The hesitation to celebrate or have good feelings because right. it might be snatched away. Well, Colby, uh, here's hoping uh, for my part, I will say that my, my, uh, my prayers and my hopes are with you and your Bengals uh, for this upcoming Super Bowl. Um, I hope that, that this is the beginning of something great and that you start betting my brother again and that he starts losing those bets. <laughs> um, and yeah, I, uh, you know, uh, it's an amazing thing to be a fan of, of a team for 30 plus years, a team that is the worst of the worst. And then they go to the Super Bowl, and maybe, maybe they go all the way. Let's hope so. Let's hope so. I believe in that way. You know, why it's, it is us is the new saying, you know, why not us? Why, well, you know, we've been the underdog for so long, but now it, it is us. Now so, it's your time. Yep. My guest today has been Colby Hall. He is a Bengals super fan living a lonely existence as a Bengals super van in South central Alaska. And Colby, we wish you and your Bengals all the best this upcoming weekend. Um, Thanks for joining us today. Thanks, John. I've been your host, John Davidson, and you've been listening to another edition of the Federalist Radio Hour. Until next time, be lovers of freedom and anxious for the fray. I heard the faint voice of reason, and then it faded away.